I'm so happy to be with you. I want you to I want to talk to you. I've been talking about family, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. Um, let me see if I can get this turned right. If you have your Bible, I want you to look at the book of Nehemiah with me, and uh, it's just going to be. I want to show you some things because most of us, I, I'm I'm very surprised as I, you know, I get you know you know people and you know your church know them and your friend know them and. And, uh, and you know, you know, they're Christians and they're good people. And then sometimes you get closer to them and you realize, like, especially you get to their family, you're like, what the heck? <laughs> I mean, this is a mess. They're good people, but they just live in a mess. And you're like, well, who, y'all want to clean this up? I'm not talking about physical mess, but you think, you know, the kids are rebellious. The, the uh, you know, the marriage is a mess. And you're thinking, like, you're a Christian and your home is just a... No wonder you don't want to win souls because who wants to bring anybody into this mess? So really, you know, when we think about making disciples and changing the world, when God wanted to change the world, he, he used a family. It, with Adam and Eve, he said, I'm going to build the world with a family. When God wanted to rebuild the world with Noah, he did it with what? Noah and his family. So God brings the world, wins the world through family, doesn't he? So it's very important. The book of Timothy says if a, if a person can't rule his home well, how can he rule in the house of God? In other words, how can you even do something for God if you don't, the little area that you have, and I know a lot of you don't have a lot of authority. Maybe you're a wife, your husband don't come to church, or you're a single parent or something like that. But it's important that you understand that just because you come to church doesn't mean your, your family's good. Matter of fact, I have a lot of pastors, you know, their issues, got huge issues, and you're wondering, like, why don't you... You know, you ever see somebody, you know, like you, you look at their the refrigerator or their car or something, and you're like, y'all going to do something about this? Or Like, a, you know, you're not being critical, but you're wondering, like, you know, do you need help? Because really, it's bugging me how bad your car looks. Come on, somebody. And you're like, they're a great person. They look awesome on the outside, but inside of their car looks like, you know, a bomb went off in there. Because disorder, whatever you find disorder, it's dishonor. There's something not being respected when things are out of order. And that if you've got respect, if you've got honor, if you've got God's honor in your life, you can't just overlook things, you know? I mean, you can't just say, you know, God's in my life, but man, this toilet's dirty. I've got to go to work. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, everybody looks at the toilet occasionally. And you can't just keep looking at it, and it's a mess, and you're like, I'm going to glorify God. You haven't even glorified the toilet yet. Even some of those toilets call them the Bemis. Bemis, it means the, the, means the throne is what it means. I mean, you, you, you get what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be critical because, you know, I haven't been to most of your house, so I'm not picking on you. But, you know, if you can't rule over the toilet, it's hard to rule over the nations. And whatever it takes to have a great home, that's what it takes to win the world. So if you can win in the small things in life, if you can raise a healthy, wonderful family, you can change the world. It's that simple because this is what everybody wants. And all the principles that it takes to change the world, they're all right there in forming a great family. So don't, don't I mean, I'm glad you come to church. But why come to church when you don't apply those principles in your home? Because it's not real until it becomes a radical change in the way you live. And so many people find themselves, you know, like, you know, not everybody was raised in a home that was in order. Matter of fact, most people, they just learned the wrong thing. They learned how to have a bad marriage. They learned how to just leave things junky. They learned how to just be selfish. They learned it because that's what they were, from the time they were this big, they learned wrong things. They learned how to do things wrong. 
And so they think that over time, or even because they're a Christian, somehow that's going to change things. No. Time doesn't change it. It only changes when you look at it and say, that's got to change. That's got to change. And I'd love to talk about my wife because, especially since she's not here today, because <laughs> now I can say what I really think. I'm teasing. Well, I mean, we'll tell you what, I'm a, a total fan of my wife. I'm a huge admirer, and I'm, she's here. I usually get emotional. But, you know, my wife, you heard her story, but her mom was mentally ill. Her dad and her mom were divorced. She was abused in several different ways. And I'm talking about when I say her mom was mentally ill, I'm talking about screaming, waking you up in the middle of the night, not stop screaming at you. And she's a teenager. And they had to put her in a hospital several times. And I'm not shaming her. I'm just telling you, she wasn't dealing with a little depression. It was a very disturbing um, childhood. And so she never learned how to cook a meal or have people over or entertain or have Thanksgiving or all the things, take pies. She never knew how to even, you know, make a meal. So she's 18 and we're, you know, we, we're married and she doesn't know how to do this thing. And, and I, I thought everybody was raised in a good home. So I was like, I didn't know what I was getting. <laughs> and I, I, I ended up married and I, found, I have a person who's sheer, it's just sheer panic when it comes to cooking for other people. Or having people in her home or entertaining people. And anything that had to do with children, she had no clue. So I'm saying that, not that she was a mess, but that she did not change to be the great woman that she is today because somehow God just did a miracle. It was because she recognized this is wrong. And I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to conquer this. And so I'm, I'm going to talk about her first just because... I was talking to someone this week. They were having some difficulties in their life, and it's one of their with their wife, and and some situations in their home, and and I was like, dude, man, this whole thing's out of order. And he was saying, you know, what what was hurting him about his relationship with his wife, and I was like, you know, let me just tell you, it don't have to be like that because if anybody has a reason to have to make their husband miserable, my wife had every excuse, but she is the perfect wife. I mean, I, I know I'm overstating it probably, but I can't think of a better person. I mean, he's, you know, this guy was telling me, I, I can't get my wife, she, she says you love God, but she, she won't read the Bible, and I can't get her to read the Bible. And I said, hey, before I wake up in the morning, my wife has already prayed and reading the Bible. And I, and I, I got to get her out of prayer, I have to throw a rope and pull her out like those priests. In the Old Testament, because I mean, I dare I walk into the room and the music's playing. She's worshiping God. She's she's got a whole catalog of stuff written down, and I'm like, I hate to mess with you, but I finished my Bible study about two hours ago. <laughs> you know, we do have to do something today, but I kind of I have to walk on shelves because like she'll put that woman growl on you, like, mm. <laughs> like I just wanted to come talk. Mm. <laughs> I'm in the middle of something right now, but I didn't, and look, it is every single morning. But she doesn't do that because she tries to put on some spiritual front so she can be the women's leader. This is what she learned how to win. I don't know. She might have had a harder go than some of you guys had. But she understood that winning was not just saying, well, poor me. Or I got an excuse for what, the way I am. She said, I'm going to conquer. And she, be, look, you might not think she's a warrior. But that girl right there, that's a warrior. She's mild-mannered and cool and all that. But that's a warrior. She will conquer. She said, I'm going to conquer. She had to conquer depression. You say, I've been depressed. She had to conquer depression. She had to conquer abuse. She had to conquer being totally paralyzed with fear. She had to conquer. And God didn't make life easy on her. God made her tougher than life. And that's a fact. 
And I get it. She's, not only, she's the perfect mother. Where did she learn this? She's the perfect mother. And when her kids became grown-ups, she became the perfect friend mother. Come on, girls, wave at me. Am I, am I telling the truth? I only got one girl in the front row. Oh, there's another one. It's true. I mean, I'm amazed. I see her with my son. I mean, she just, she just adores my son. And she, you know, she had to teach me how to talk to my son because then I was trying to man, you know, man him into doing right. But she was like, you need to stop doing that. She had to correct me and teach me how to talk to my son because, look, she's an expert. But she's not an expert because she had an easy life. She's an expert because she said, I am a mess. My home is a mess. I grew up in a mess, and I'm not going to have a mess. I'm going to set this in order. Jesus set my life in order, and I'm going to set my house in order. And she said, I'm going to conquer this thing. And she did. And now as a grandmother, she's like the world's best grandmother. She's not just a grandmother. She's like storybook you can't believe. And I'm just telling the honest truth. See, you can't, I'm in awe. I, I get bothered sometimes with kids all around me and grabbing on me and pulling my hair and want me to swing them on the swing. And I do it. You know, I like it when I do it. But, you know, I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be. And so I'm, I'm kind of like, hey, when y'all going home? <laughs> Diane's like, like, I'm going to get the kids. They're staying for three weeks. And it's going to be awesome. I'm like, really? That's so great. They're coming up and they're staying for a whole week. Oh, good. That's going to be great. Because they need constant attention, right? Yes. I mean, she, she loves it. She can't think of anything better than, you know, helping, cleaning, doing, cooking. She didn't know how to cook. Believe me, she only knew how to make one meal when I married her. And I'll tell you what it was. Salisbury steak. And I had that with mashed potatoes. That was it. I had it all the time. That's, I know exactly what it was. With corn on the cob. That's all I had. That's how I gained all this weight. She didn't, know how, she didn't know how to cook anything. But you know what? Right now, my kids come over and say, you know what? I want to have mama's chicken and dumplings. She, don't know, she didn't know how to cook chicken. But look, they, to, her, to, to them, that's the best taste in the world is mama's chicken stew. And she didn't know any of that stuff. But right now, they don't want to have, taste anything on their birthday but what mama cooks. And all of those traditions, and I'm going to, I'll just, can I just go on? Uh, look, when it comes to, like, birthdays, I'm like, can we just do something small for a chain? No, it's a big deal i'm writing checks can i just give them a small gift no everything's a bit it's christmas time oh everything's decorated and everything's wonderful and she's doing that tree every year and i'm like can we not have a tree one year ever not have no now all my girls are like little diane's now i gotta help them with their trees and and it's a big deal and i'm like i don't want to have a big deal but she's like this is about my family and we're not going to make it a small deal when it comes to christmas it's a big deal and on thanksgiving it's a big deal we're going to decorate we're going to make it nice and look women are wonderful because life would be so ordinary if it were up to men but women make it beautiful and my wife is the top shelf wife and I, she, she did, she's not forcing it. She earned it. She won it by being humble and saying, I'm going to repent and I'm going to pray until I conquer this thing. So family and having a wonderful family where kids are dancing and singing and kids are healthy and love each other and forgive each other, that's not an accident. It's a culture. It's a culture that's built by a man and a woman who say, we don't want a, a, a dull, you know, angry poverty culture we want a culture that people want to come around and they can they, they can you know enjoy life 
And she has done that. And thank God she wasn't here because I wouldn't have been able to get through it. But Nehemiah, when he saw that Israel was in such a disarray, he said, it's a huge mess. It's an unbelievable undertaking, but I'm going to face this mess and I'm going to conquer this mess. And that's what everybody has to do. You can blame it on other people. You can find excuses. But at the end of the day, your life is about you. Well, God won't help you. God will help you. He just won't do it for you. Did I just say that? It's true. If you're waiting for God to clean that refrigerator, it ain't going to happen. God ain't cleaning it. God ain't washing your car. That ain't happening. If you want a good life, God's not putting up the tree. He's not cooking the chicken stew. You're going to have to figure it out. And God's not going to somehow make it easy for you. It's going to be hard. You're going to burn the chicken stew five times. Your kids are like, I hate this chicken stew. And then you're going to get it right finally. But that's the way God grows us up. He doesn't make us dependents. He makes us descendants. He teaches us how to be strong. He teaches us how to rise up. He teaches us how to, to pass down a great standard and great families. And it costs. It's painful. It's work. So Nehemiah. Uh, I remember, uh, let me just give you this, this illustration. I remember my dad, we had six children, a grandmother, and, you know, two parents. They were all working in my house. They were school teachers, and I had four sisters older than me and one little brother who was a brat. Come on, somebody. Somebody still knows him. But, and so, uh, and I had the grandmother who had serious issues. And, uh, but my dad had to run this with these all, you know my sisters, they're like strong. Every one of them are strong. You can't deal with any of them. You won't conquer any of them. Not Kitty, not Lynn, not, not Sharon, not Karen. You can't deal with them. You had to be a strong person. And my dad, when things would be out of order in the house, he'd call a family meeting like at 12 o'clock at night. It would be like, family meeting. Like, what? Fuck, everybody get down here. So somehow it hit him at 12 o'clock at night we had to have a family meeting. And we'd, we all there, we'd all be in the back room and he'd be like, okay. No one's helping your mom. This place is a mess. The glass is not cut, blah, blah. Now nobody's going to bed until somebody comes up with some ideas. You know, we still got sleep in our eyes. We don't even know if this is real. <laughs> like, is this really happening? But now we've got to, we can't go to bed until we come up with some ideas of how to fix the house. And so it, <laughs> one time my dad did that, and it was in the middle of the night, and my kitty, my older sister, was still living at the house. She was working, and we were in the meeting, and Kitty stumbled down the stairs. You know, she thought it was morning time. It was 12 o'clock at night. <laughs> she thought she was late for work. It was hilarious. <laughs> but you know what? I appreciate about my dad. My dad said, this place is going to be in order. I don't care what your situation is and what your deal is. This house is going to be in order because this is my responsibility. We're going to find out a way how to fix this thing. And that's a great inheritance for your children. Are you with me? God has a great vision for your family. Nehemiah 1, verse 1 says, and it came to pass, I'm going to skip all those names. One of my brethren came with men from Judah and asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from captivity in the province are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now listen, when things are out of order, this is how you're supposed to act. You don't make excuses. 
When, and when this is your house and this is your family, this is your home, you don't just say, well, you know, it's not, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. If it's not a big deal for you, it's not a big deal for anybody. You can't overlook it. This guy, when he heard that Jerusalem was in total disarray, he began to fast and pray. And he, he said, I, I cannot let this happen. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great, awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night. For the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you, and you have not kept and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinance which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you are cast to the farthest parts of the heaven, yet I will gather them from here and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Let's just pray for a second. Father, in Jesus' name. Let the passion to set things in order come upon your people. Let their houses, let their homes, let everything that they have glorify you. Let their children, let the atmosphere of their, their in marriage, let every part of their life glorify you. Give them a conquering spirit, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Now, I want you to write this down. I'm going to give you these three vital principles for family change. I'll try to give them to you as quick as possible, but they are important. Number one, number one, God will not bless what's not in order. God will not bless what's not in order. Lord, just bless me financially. Is your, are your finances in order? No. Well, you ain't going to bless them. You got to set them in order. Well, that's not going to be easy. That's right. It's tough. You're going to have to get rid of some stuff. You're going to have to do some stuff. You've got to pay some stuff out. You know what? And he's not going to make it, make it easy on you. You've got to set it in order. You want the blessing? You've got to set it in order. God, say it with me. God will not bless what's not in order. See, you're in God's house. And he, when you were not saved, he just loved you unconditionally and said, you know, I just want you to do right. And, and when you gave your life to Christ, he said, okay, now you're at the Father's house. Now you're going to do right. Now he's going to give you time. That's called grace. He's going to give you encouragement. That's called mercy. But at the end of the day, who you are is who you choose to be. God is not responsible for the choices that you make. That's your life. Now, you're in the Father's house. He's only going to bless what's in order. When it's in order, he's going to bless it. All right? Are you with me? Do you see it? Write that down. That would be enough to say it was worth coming to church today. Now, like Nehemiah, make an honest assessment of your family and home. Don't be afraid to look at it. I was, um, I was helping a friend this week, and he wor- we're working on an old car, and, which is one of my hobbies I love to do. And he had had this old car that he didn't want to fool with because he had let it go. And it was like rat, you know, trash. It was overwhelming. But I said, I said look, you know what? And it had been years this way. I said, you know what? It was raining, so I said, let's me and you attack this thing. 
and uh, he was like, he could tell he didn't want to do it. I said, let's get in there and just attack it. So he said, well, I have to go to the store to get it. I said, well, I'll tell you what. So when he left, I got, I, I got some soap and water, and I, I got some garbage bags, and I got a vacuum cleaner, and I, went, I became the Tasmanian angel. And I was like, washing. I was like, you know what? And every time I did, I felt the glory of God. Because when we let things go, when we don't, he, sometimes we have things, we just can't face them. We let them go for so long, you can't, you don't, you don't, you're just not being honest. You've got to look at that closet and say, you would not defeat me. Come on, somebody. You, some, everybody's got one of those drawers in your kitchen that's got everything in it. It's got rulers and flashlights and bobby pins. It's got everything. You know what? One day you've got to look at that drawer and say, you're going down, big boy. I've got a drawer. I've cleaned it out three times. It keeps trying to come back. But you've got to get the attitude. You've got to make an honest assessment and say, you know what? I have a good marriage and a great marriage. It could be a lot better. I have good kids, but they're not great kids. I need to... I need to shoot for God's best. I'm, my house is okay, but you know what? We need to find a way to make it better. Now, I'm not talking about being a perfectionist. I'm talking about honestly, Nehemiah, honestly assess the situation. you got to look at it because the order of this deal is on you. The order that it's in is on you. And you, I'm not being hard, but listen, when you start conquering things, everything starts to fall in order. When you start saying, you know what, I'm going to make my bed up tomorrow morning. I'm not going to leave it a mess. And you make your bed up and you say, you know what, next I'm going to be on time for a change. Come on, somebody. I'm going to be on time. No, I'm going to be early this week. Come on. Everybody's going to faint. They're going to, they're going to pass out at work because you were early this week. Like, what happened? He got saved. <laughs> Chose to be on time rather than make another excuse. Make an honest assessment. Be, be, don't be harsh with yourself, but be honest. Tell, look in the mirror and say, you know what, man? This is, you just let things go a while back, and you hadn't got it back yet. And it's just running wild, and it's time for you to rise up. God won't bless what's not in order. Don't say to yourself, God, bless this mess, because he won't. If it's a mess because of your neglect, he ain't going to bless the mess. He's only going to bless you cleaning up the mess. Am I right about it? He's only going to bless when you rise up like a man of God, like a woman of God, like a child of God, and you say, you know what, this mess, I'm going to conquer it in Jesus' name. We're going to conquer whatever is wrong in this house. We're going to see Jesus become Lord of it. (laughs) Change is the beginning of blessing. Repentance for the whole mess. That's the beginning of change. Like Nehemiah, he said, hey, my bad, my family's bad, everybody's, it's all our bad. Guess what? I repent. Look, that's the beginning of change. Stop making excuses. Start repenting. Dad, if it's out of order, repent. Mom, if it's out of order, repent. If the marriage is out of order, you both repent. If the kids are out of order, y'all repent. Kids, everybody repents. But when you repent and say, we've had it, we're not going to think this way where we just have any old thing on TV and any old thing on the computer, we're done with that. Right? You, you got, I was, I was watching TV with my family, and it was watching some, you know, the, one of those talent shows, and uh, it was a guy who was being really funny, and then suddenly, he started doing something lewd, and I had my grandkids and my kids there, and they all, my, they all looked over at me. It was something with a bra or something, and I, I, I said, you know what, that right there, that's inappropriate. Now, I don't want to be, look, I want to be a nice guy. I want to be, I, I want to have fun and laugh, but you know what, there's certain things, they were wondering what I was going to say. And if I let it go, they're going to let it go. I said, oh, we don't do it. And look, they, as soon as I said it's inappropriate, they started hitting the fast forward. I was like, good. 
We watch it, but let's, let's not lower the standard of our house to try to be a nice guy. Let's, let's say we're the best. We're, we're God's best. Our, our house is God's best. We don't have to come down to be like the world. We're not changing God's word to fit our life. We're changing our life to fit God's word. We're not being religious. We're just going for God's best. Let's have the best if it's your house. Be the best. Have the best. You deserve the best. God gave you the best. True repentance results in a passion for real substantive change and an unwillingness to live without it. When Nehemiah repented, he was like, we're going to get this done. I know it's impossible, but we're going to get it done. You need that grace from God, not another, well, God's just going to let it go. Just God, just give me grace because it's a mess. But, you know, no, you need an anointing that comes from repentance. You need to repent of letting this thing go, and then you get a, a passion for substantive change. I'm not talking about a little change. I'm talking about the attitude that says, I am not willing to live like this anymore. I'm not going to live with a loveless marriage. I'm not going to live with kids that are out of order. I'm not going to live with a mess and the laundry's a mess, the, the dishes are a mess. I'm done with living this way. we got to come together like a team and we got to conquer this thing for Jesus. Our house is going to glorify God. Man, I already preached enough to say, let's go home. Establish a culture of honor with a plan of action. Now listen, Nehemiah, before he went to the king, he had a plan. You're not going to change if you don't have a plan. Here, what's the plan? We're going to start with that junk room. Come on, somebody. Come on, ladies, tell me. We're going to start with that, that, that raggedy car you got. You know what? Look, we're all going to work on it. And we're going to get, we're going to, you need to have it. Don't just say, don't be a whiner and a complainer. This whole place is a mess. Okay, if it's a mess, what's the plan? You didn't repent until you got a plan. What's the plan for change in your marriage? What's the plan for changing your children? What's the plan? You got to get a Holy Ghost plan. When you stand before the king, you got to say, king, here's my plan. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to stop doing. Here's what we're going to start doing. On Wednesday night, we're going to have family night. On, on Friday night, we're going to have marriage night. On Whatever it is, on Saturday, we're all going to work for two hours. I don't want to plan your life. You plan your life. But don't complain about something that you're not willing to get a plan for. You don't want to change if you don't have a plan. You just want to feel bad. Don't feel bad. Change. <laughs> Am I being too hard with y'all? You know, I'm, I've got all this from my daddy. This is, this is a family meeting. This is how my dad ran it. I'm not letting y'all go until somebody comes up with an idea today. <laughs> a detailed plan of action, it means that you repented and that you're serious about change. Let me give you number two. God will not set your house in order. It's a simple principle. God will not set your house in order. I don't have to preach it because I already preached it. God's not going to do it. He will let you live in a pig pen and a mess where everybody talks ugly to each other. He'll let it happen, and you can still be Christians. He'll let you have a marriage that's horrible. He'll let you be mean and ugly to each other. He'll let, he'll let you do it. God ain't going to fix your marriage. You. See, here's what you need to understand. God will bless it when you set it in order. Right? God's not going to set your house in order. Well, when God wants change, he'll change things. No, he won't. Generally speaking, he won't. Write this down. You cannot change people. You can only change you. Now, listen to me because this is going to help you. Don't throw up your hands and say, well, I can't because my husband's a jerk. 
Or I can't because my kids are terrible. I can't stop feeling, stop living in the past. They're going to change. And don't think of reasons to defeat yourself. You can't change people, but you can change you. And listen, write this down. It's going to help you with your life. When you change, everything's going to change. Don't expect, well, when he changes, when they change, when that, that, that's wishing and hoping. Don't think, well, when they change, everything's going to be great. No, no, no. You're going to take it to the next level. Listen, you're going to take it to the next level. You're going to change. You're going to change. You're going to pray better. You're going to live better. You're going to influence other people better. You're going to inspire people better. Your spirit's going to change the atmosphere. I don't know if people won't cooperate. You know what? Then you cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Don't think of reasons why you can't do it. You can do it. You don't have to say, well, they're going to change and that one's going to change. You're going to change. Say it with me. Say, when I change, everything changes. God doesn't need a, a whole generation. He just needs a leader. He doesn't need everybody to do right. He just needs a leader that will do right. Just you. You are the change. Like Nehemiah, you're the change that God is bringing. I love this. It's from Pastor Cho. Write this down. It's going to change your life. God changes men, and men change their world. Oh, God, come change the world. God's going to change you, and you're going to change your world. Look, if it's all the devil and everything's bad, well, then you're out of control. You might as well just get depressed. But when, when it's you that needs to change, suddenly you can't blame it on the devil anymore. And you can't blame it on, you know, black people or white people or the politics or, or the money. Or, you stop blaming people and say, you know what? I'm about to change. And when I go to the next level, everything's going to the next level. Everything in my life's going to the next level. And it's easy to feel sorry for yourself, but you're not going to do that. Nehemiah would not let it. He didn't just feel sorry. He said, we're doing something about this thing. We're going to get God's vision and God's dream. And we're going to rise up and we're going to conquer in Jesus' name. He won't change things for you. He'll give you the courage to face your failures and face the failures of others and conquer the impossible. That's the story of the Bible. God doesn't do things for you. God inspires you to do great things. And today is your day. I just wanted to encourage you and activate you. Let me give you number three. All order is built on honor. I said this last week. All order is built on honor. When you honor the Lord, you can't stand disorder. When you honor God, you say, you know what? I honor God, and this can't be this way. Now, we live in a messy world, and I know there's time that you just got to give situations time, and I'm not trying to make you, a, you know, the Gestapo or, or a religious person, but I want you to dream of something bigger and better. And I want you to rise up and say, you know what? It is impossible, but God is the God of the impossible. I can't turn it around, but God can use me to turn it around. Are you with me? Let me just say this, and we're going to pray. If, what Nehemiah did was the wisdom of God. He knew he couldn't set order until he had honor. So the first thing he went to was the leaders. And he, said he, and he inspired those leaders. He said, leaders, get with me. Come on, man. We're going to do this thing. Come on. Come on, leaders. See, you, you got a family of five people. Are there two of you in agreement? Get two people. Get three people in agreement. Begin to get people in agreement with the dream. Well, say, my husband won't. Well, listen. Uh, ask God. 
how that's going to happen, how it's going to work. Don't be hopeless. Don't be helpless. Don't paint yourself into a corner and quit. Get those leaders on board. Enlist, ignite, and inspire the leaders in the vision for change. It takes a team to turn your house around. You can't turn your marriage around by yourself. You got to say to, you know, if you're a wife, you got to say to your honey, honey, I, I, I want romance in my marriage. Well, I'm trying to do Look, honey, look. You know, you, you got to begin to sow that vision. You know what? Remember when we used to be 20 years old? Remember how we used to, remember that? Remember how we used to kiss and all that? Yeah. Let's do that again. And I can't tell you how to inspire your honey to have romance. But you know what? You got to have a dream. Like, I'm not going to have a loveless marriage. I'm not going to have a dead marriage. I'm going to have a marriage that's on fire. And we're going to be on fire. I'm not going to have a house that's full of sadness and people mad at each other. Look, get together with your children. And say, listen, we're going to have to forgive each other. Look, you tell her you're sorry. You, you say, well, I don't want to do that. Well, then you don't want a house that glorifies God because everybody gets mad all the time. Everybody gets hurt all the time. And you got to teach them, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do right here. Because we're not going to have all this bickering and biting and fighting and arguing. We're not going to have that. Not in this house. We're going to turn on some worship. I told you my little girls, Becca and Leah, they get in a fight. I'd say, you're going to the living room and y'all going to worship God until you, you go, I'm turning on the worship. Y'all going to stay there and worship God until y'all make up. Like two minutes of worship, they're all like, I love you. I love you too. Let's not worship anymore. <laughs> you find out everybody can get right if you just give God a chance. Now, I know. I, I want to pray for you. And I don't want to sound like I'm looking down my nose at you and criticizing your life. I'm not. I want to inspire you. God has a great life for you. He has a better life than what you even have right now. And if you just dare to dream. Now, listen, can I mention one last thing? Because I'm, I'm kind of skipping to the end here. But there was these characters named Sambald and Tobiah. That when they, saw, when they saw Nehemiah starting to set things in order, they got angry and began to mock him. You can bet the minute you try to change that marriage, that enemy is going to come up and try to mock you. You can't do it. He ain't going to change. She's not going to change. The minute you say, you know what, I'm turning things around, you're going to have that sin balance to buy, that negative, you know what, Pastor Ray said that, but you know what, it's just too hard. You're going to face opposition, and you got to make your mind up. I love what, what Nehemiah, can I read it to you? We'll close with this. Let me see. Here we go. Sorry. When sin the Horonite... Tobiah the Ammonite, the official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it. They laughed at us. See, the enemy doesn't think you can turn your family around. He doesn't think that you can set order and bring the glory of God, the blessing of God. The enemy doesn't believe it. And he's going to try to mock your faith when you say, we're going to turn this thing around. They laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? Listen to what he said. So I answered them and said to them, I love this guy. He spoke to his enemy. How many of you are ready to speak to your enemy? When he starts whispering, you're going to fail, you're not going to turn it around, you're not going to change things, you can't do it, you can't move in a different direction. You know what? You need to open your mouth and speak to that voice that's been speaking to you. And he said, I answered them and said, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. <laughs> 
Therefore we are his servants. We'll rise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. I love this guy. He said, God is going to help us do it. Now you need to get on out of here. Listen, when you hear that voice, that whispering voice that tells you don't even try. Look, man, for some of you, it's going to take a miracle. How many believe he's the God of miracles? How many believe he's the way maker? He's the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. 